this cathartic for you, Rich? This is amazing. This is exactly what I needed. Welcome, everybody, to episode 79 of the Light Shed Podcast. I'm Brandon Ross with Richard Greenfield and Walter Pisick. Tough week and a very tough couple of hours before we started this podcast, wasn't it, Rich? Dude, I mean, when when you turn on the computer and it just doesn't boot, there's just no, it's just, it's just frustrating beyond belief. Literally... I could not get my computer to work, and so I'm on a back t- backup laptop to get this podcast done. I don't know why it took you two hours to figure out to switch off to uh, a backup laptop. Now, Walt has a Lightshed Premium Access in one hour and 19 minutes. And I don't know if you and I, Rich, decided to filibuster Walt, like Walt and I <laughs> uh, filibustered you uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I just leave. Yeah. Stress. I'll just leave. <laughs> Walt, That's fine. But Walt won't be around for the outro song. That's true. I will just drop. Um, pretty crazy week though. Grueling. Overall. Grueling. I, week it, of it earnings. just it felt like. It's Q3 is always kind of like this. Like all the earnings feel bunched. At least Q4 uh-huh. earnings is so spread out. It's because it's the K quarter. I was on and with the client and they were saying it felt like they were in the ring with Mike Tyson this week, just getting pummeled every single day. And meanwhile, the market is just ripping to all time highs. And yet within that, you've got stocks that are just getting destroyed. But the S&P continues and the, and the triple Q just continue to chug higher, which is Amazing stuff. Despite but all the supply chain amazing. issues that we heard about on every call. <laughs> so I know, yeah, supply chain stuff. We'll get into that one later. <laughs> we'll get to wait. that, yeah. But um, I look, feel like that should be my background. I should have had like a, I should have had all of the trucks or sorry, all the shipping cartons the shipping, stacked up. That's what we should have done yeah. for our backgrounds. That was yep. a miss. That's a big miss. Did you guys read about how that guy fixed the long beach shipping problems through Twitter. He basically gave like a complete tweet storm of advice to the local government on how to stack the containers to alleviate the shipping issues there. And they listened to him and it worked. I'm good for him. Um, That's we need more of that a couple of weeks ago, but I know everyone's um, rich. You could have said the power of Twitter. The power of Twitter. That is true. Ha- I have a couple of those. Only on Sorry, Walt, to cut you off. No, that's I have a couple of those power of Twitters this week. I was tweeting about um, Amazon Kuiper's thing, and I got some inbounds from some some Amazon people on that. But, you know, earnings, uh, I know everyone's eagerly awaiting the earnings scorecard. So just be patient because we got more earnings to come. Brandon's got another brutal couple of days next week. Ugh. But we do have some highlights, I think, from this week's um, earnings well, calls. And I do have to say that I do feel like some of the companies, we'll, we'll see it in the results, but I feel like some of the companies have altered their practices trying to Maybe. improve themselves well, on the earnings scorecard. They've actually told us that they have based on- Some of them have. Yeah, some, some of them, them are have. some of them are indignant and have gone the other way. <laughs> yeah. But don't worry, yeah. we've got a plan for you guys. Don't worry, we're coming after you. Okay, so let's go to some some yeah. uh, interesting that? highlights Solid from this week. Solid In this case, okay, plan Brandon, you want to see this up for us? See this up for us, Brandon. 
Okay. Before I play the audio, tee up right. what happened to your favorite company right now, Activision. My favorite company, <laughs> geez. Um, as many of you know, Activision has had some problems with inclusivity and um, harassment and other very negative things that have led to a number of departures <laughs> at the company. The, due to those departures, they also had to delay both Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4, which everyone has now been waiting for for how many years? Right? Uh, Call a of while. Duty, Activision, chugging along. This was uh, all known Blizzard, Blizzard going Division, into the, going into the quarter, Brandon, No one, all these no one knew they describing? were. No one knew they were um delaying overwatch 2 and diablo 4 mm-hmm. um but it came out on the call oh. bobby kodak the ceo got on the call talked about the plans to fix the numerous um problems that they have and um the quarter was fine whatever um kind of a pass and uh and okay, let's go to the audio these were but, being the, but, delayed. The, but the delays but the delays are big negative issues that hurt the stock like that's yeah, the i mean reality. honestly the stock was down like 17 percent okay um so, at, at but, but, the, but, the, but the point is that this analyst who you're going to play this of knew yes. all of this prior Mike, to asking Mike, this question Mike, Mike Hickey, yes okay so listen to this clip right after all of this comes out hey bobby team uh congrats on the quarter uh thank you for <laughs> my questions uh, just to <laughs> we like, even need to say anymore no you don't even to go anymore like it just how is that possible like it just doesn't make sense how this keeps happening i don't i don't know it's pretty hilarious so bottom line um on activision though is i they put jen o'neill who was the co-head of blizzard also left um now they're down to mikey barra who it was at Microsoft for a long time. He ran their first party uh, games business for a little while, not successfully. Um, the The Blizzard division is is a mess, and investors and myself have questions um, as to not only when these games are going to come out, but what the quality is going to be. Um, so, completely unsurprising <laughs> that the stock. Um, got hit the way it did. Do you have anything so, else in terms of earnings? We we do. So this we one, don't do an next one is actually no, no, no. This X. Sorry about that. This yeah. next one is my absolute favorite of the earnings season. Favorite analyst question. As Warner Wolf said, let's go to the video. Well, we, we have to do a little oh, bit of setup because tape, most man. people are listening, not video. So we have to do a little bit of setup. Okay. So this is the WWE conference call so so this is they are a wrestling company with mostly most of their money is made from right they're a wrestling company and it's all about live and most of their money is made from live events and watching no it's not live events no No. it's from licensing licensing those rights to live events yes live events just let's stick on licensing and watching live events so here's the question. That's a heavy-handed setup. Sort of more generally, how do you feel about this, the role of the metaverse and going into the digital online world? And do you sort of think that NFTs are going to be, is meta going to be actually um, a bigger deal, like leaving the live, you guys really work in the live world, the physical world. But how do you feel about the metaverse 
and within that context, how big do you think NFTs could be as a part of the, the new metaverse? Sort of. Uh, I mean, do you know what else, what her first question was? No, she I don't even w- want to know. She asked WWE about IDFA before that. It's like she just took like the biggest topics, like no way to contextualize them, have nothing to do basically with what's going on at this company. And like what? No, but it, but it also speaks to a larger problem of like, you know, everybody wants to sort of be part of the new, new thing, right? Like there, yeah. there is this sort of like everyone is trying to force everything into this bucket of we're the metaverse, you're the metaverse, this is the metaverse, Sinclair's a meta. Like literally every single person is trying yeah. to jam themselves it's... into this as sort of the the quote unquote, the the, the answer to what is going to make their investors care, I guess. I don't even know exactly, but like it, you know, when, I mean, remember Sinclair getting up saying we're going to yeah. create the sports it, no, metaverse. It, it, like, it's, it's, just it's completely absurd. ridiculous. It's an overused word. Most people who use the word, including those in the games business, I think don't even know what it means. Um, but while we're on WWE and earnings call, it was pretty ridiculous that the question I asked on the earnings call yesterday was why there was so much turnover at the top mid to top layers at WWE and severance charges. And then right after the call, CFO Christina Salen was canned. (laughs) I I did not know that in advance. Look, oh my goodness. She, I think uh, WWE is definitely putting a new management team. I think this is really Nick Khan putting his stamp on the company and trying to transforming some of the management team, like the CFO got there before he did. So, yeah, you know, I and, do think and this I is think, sort of him think, redirecting the company. And I, I think this was an extremely positive move for WWE. I think both culturally and um, in terms of execution, this, this is a positive. But, but let's stick on this metaverse thing because it, every single company now is using it. And so like Microsoft, so this is Satya Nadella, you know, the metaverse is here and it's not only transforming. Let me actually, let me just play. Well, the it's not Forget here yet, writes. but okay. Well, that's what I, but that's the <laughs> I point. I know, it's hilarious. But that's the point. It's not here. Okay, listen. Listen or watch. As the digital and physical worlds come together, we are creating an entirely new platform layer, which is the metaverse. In a sense, the metaverse enables us to embed computing into the real world and to embed the real world into computing, bringing That's real fair. presence to any digital space. What's most important is that we are able to bring our humanity with us and choose how we want to experience this world and who we want to interact with. It's no longer just looking at a camera view of a factory floor. You can be on the floor. It's no longer just video conferencing with colleagues. You can be with them in the same room. Mesh for Microsoft Teams will allow you to connect with presence and have a shared immersive experience directly. Okay. Uh, I thought the most interesting thing about that was where he talks about how people are going to be able to choose their life experience and who they want to actually be with. Rich. Yeah. And look, the, the, but the, let's go back to 
most of that is what Mark talked about last week. I mean, obviously a little less eloquent. Pre- well, the word Sacha, pre- but the word presence, presence, but yeah. but also Mark was talking about which you is get VR. to make up what you're. You know, he had a really sick, you know, home yep. in the metaverse, right? Like, if you really sort of parse, like it's basically just Microsoft and you know, basically saying, "Hey, Facebook, we can do all of this too. It's not just you that are gonna." And again, this goes back to. And there's been a, right, there has been a ton of investment from Amazon, from Microsoft, in addition to Facebook in this, you know, both the next phase of computing, which includes VR, and this marrying of the physical and digital worlds that, um, that we keep talking about and 3D interactive. I just want to come back to, this is all a battle for the operating system. I just think we have to keep bringing this back to what is actually going on here. And the reality is just like there is Apple and Android or I, you know, iOS and Android, that's the war. Obviously there's a major war going on for the TV operating system right now. And it's very clear when you listen to these companies like Microsoft and Facebook, that we are shaping up for a war. And I would put Epic into this category and Roblox into like, there's going to be several companies that are trying to be the definitive operating yeah, I system mean they, for this metaverse world. And yes, maybe there's interoperability. Yes or no. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But everyone is trying to define themselves or as what the their place. what their role is in the next um let's layer of computing. Where do you go to start? Do you start with Microsoft? Do you start with Facebook? Do you start with Epic? I think that's the thing maybe these worlds interact but you're going to start with one there's going to be a starting point for and people. and what and what role each of these giants plays in the quote building blocks for in the building blocks for the quote metaverse right so again snap heavily invested in ar yeah um jack dorsey really looking at decentralization uh, the role of crypto, which is and the blockchain, which is going to have a big part um, in where the world is going as well. And Mark with VR and I don't know, Satya. Getting like one this company is, that does a pretty good job at marrying software with hardware. Apple. And still sits on hundreds of, you know, of millions of subscribers and tons of money and Apple. Yeah. I mean, just look at what Apple's doing in the video space, right? Like they've come from nowhere and they're spending money like crazy and ramping. I don't know if you guys saw, but the ads are out now for the shrink next door, which is, you know, the the neighbor. Did you ever listen to that podcast? It was Joe Nocera's actual neighbor out in uh, Eastern Long Island. That was Wondery, right? Well, Wondery did it with Bloomberg. It was a joint venture. Okay, The rights were sold to Apple and it's coming out. I think Will Farrell and I forget who else, but it comes out, I think, in a couple of weeks. It looks amazing. But like they're ramping really fast. And so when they put their mind and effort to it, like Walter said, like, again, no one's talking about Apple. They're not pounding their chest saying metaverse here. But how can you not be thinking about Apple in this context as you think out? I don't know. No one is right now, but it's an interesting concept that we should probably should be talking more about is what role will they play? Fair point. Um, well, last week we had this whole conversation about the power of um, Chipotle <laughs> in the metaverse. Um, it, it, you know, Chipotle actually is probably the most interesting player in the metaverse to date 
because they're the only player that has taken down the metaverse. Well, look, so the tweet is the power of Chipotle burritos was too strong. It crashed Roblox. And as it turns out, um, <laughs> according, it's amazing. <laughs> according to Roblox, um, it was not Chipotle or any individual experience that took down Roblox itself. There was also, by the way, the Adopt Me Halloween update that came out that same day last Thursday. So there definitely was a lot of activity on Roblox, but there was a, some deeply embedded bug that it took them 72 hours. Wait a minute. Um, Chipotle with a bug? No, didn't no, no, no. Didn't Roblox. they have that incident years Ro- ago where there, there's <laughs> the cola bugs that in their burritos that hurt sales for a little bit? And so Hilarious. now they're they're sending the E. coli or whatever the hell that was into they the sent metaverse. It into- <laughs> There, there was well that done. virus, right? There was. That was Chipotle, really, right? Yeah, that from was. One, that was a long from the fi- <laughs> from a physical virus to a digital virus. Chipotle. And in IRL, Mark will tell you, don't get Chipotle delivered because they skimp on the burrito. If you go in person, you get a much fatter burrito. Mark loves Chipotle. Yeah. There was a, there was a the norovirus the every night before he lifted weights. The E. coli norovirus back in 2017, I think. Was so they've the, infected the IRL and they've affected the metaverse. Well done. Okay. <laughs> but bottom, bottom line is the fact that it took 72 hours to resolve this was a little alarming. I know that these platforms had, all have their issues. Facebook was down a couple of weeks ago. Um, Not for three seen, days. We've though. seen Twitter down, but for three days. And if you listen to the Roblox podcast, um, as we do, they really tout their technological advantage and the fact that everything was purpose built for the metaverse and interact so closely and tightly together. And they believe that their tech advantage is one of the reasons that they're going to be a winner in this space. And then for the, for the entire, like I I hear you down for 72 hours and for them not to know what's going on. It it was, it was definitely a little bit of a wake up call to me. I, I hear you, but I was just saying we had lunch the other day. And we were talking about Roblox and a young yeah. mother and her 11 year old son are listening amazing. to us yeah. and, and say, it was the hey, kid's do, birthday. Do, do you guys work at, we were at Carmine's for lunch. No, they do asked you guys if work, we own Roblox. All right, sorry, we own Roblox. The kid, the 11 year old boy was literally obsessed. It is all he does is spend yep. his time on Roblox. And yeah, yes, no, was that's... he upset by the outage? Yes, but he was sitting on his mobile device in the restaurant yeah, playing we... Roblox like nonstop during lunch. And we got and him so... to play Ghostopia. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but, but, but the point for Light's Adventures. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like it was sort of just the. I, I think the reality is yes, it upset people, but they're so passionate. I don't think it causes people to abandon the platform. No, I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried about scaling, right? And and coming competition and the tech stack is going to matter. Look, I I'm not like, oh my god, like let's downgrade Roblox stock, but I, I just, you know, to be intellectually honest, I was more alarmed than I have been about other outages for other platforms, especially given the length of time and the fact that they couldn't even figure out what was going on. That's all. 
So the, the Chipotle um, thing is amazing. The amount, so, the amount of burritos they that they sell, incredible. Walter, you want to shift this into T-Mobile and Viacom a little bit? Um, well, this tweet for our podcast listeners is talking about um, starting eleven nine, which was. I guess in a couple of days, T-Mobile postpaid customers, postpaid only, can get a full year of Paramount Plus at no extra cost. Um, before we get into the, you know, the Paramounts or the other stuff about it, um, on the wireless side, what's different is historically, when we talked about Disney Plus in the past and part of Verizon was motivated to get people to higher rate plans, right? This was a way to grow this measly two, three, four percent revenue growth. T-Mobile is offering it to all customers. So it's not necessarily about driving people to higher rate plans. Maybe it's they have rising churn. So maybe for them, it helps them on the churn side, or maybe they can attract a prepaid customer over to get Paramount Plus. It's hard to know if Paramount Plus has enough content to attract customers over or keep existing customers in, but it can't hurt, right? It's effectively a, a price discount. So it should theoretically for a certain segment of the customers help churn. It also raises... Uh, and maybe we can get into the Viacom stuff on this as well. Bigger questions on, you know, T-Mobile's had Netflix for a while. It's an exclusive. No one really knows the term of that contract. Does it come up for renewal? Is Verizon or AT&T going to try and poach it? So it's still, it'll be interesting to see how these content relationships play out among the three national operators in the U.S. Well, I think to that point, what's interesting is that, you know, go back to connected TV time spent and, Netflix is 26% of connected TV time spent. So it's the, you know, it is, it's not just the elephant. It's like the, you know, it is the market for subscription. You know, YouTube is number two, but that's obviously ad supported and free to the world. So like the gap between one and two is wide and, you know, Amazon and, uh, you know, is, is there too, but like Hulu and, and Disney plus, which are the next largest SVODs, um, not named Amazon or Netflix, those are aligned obviously with Verizon. You've got HBO Max next aligned with HBO, sorry, with AT&T, obviously for likely a long time as part of that, even with the separation for a long time. So when you look at the players, if you were to lose Netflix, if you were T-Mobile, there isn't a lot of other players. Like it almost seems like you would want to, you know, sort of support Paramount Plus because you are going to need friends if that deal were ever to end and go someplace else, there aren't a lot of other choices right now that you could turn to. And there's reasons to add Paramount Plus on its own, whether you were losing Netflix or not. There's always a sure. segment of the customers that you haven't addressed. And who knows if Netflix really wants exclusivity with one player. I mean, you know, Zaz has talked about the fact that every um, over-the-top service will be included into every, whether that happens or not, who knows. But like, and maybe look, maybe this contract with Netflix lasts for a while. It's odd that neither company will provide any indication of the length of the term of that contract, but it's certainly, I think, you know, curious about, you know, these things aren't in perpetuity. Maybe they have renewal rates, but like, I don't think either would want to be locked in um, forever. Well, I'll tell you on the flip side, everyone was sort of assuming that when Paramount launched their ad supported, like they had a new ad supported tier that was a dollar cheaper. Um, $4.99, which is what T-Mobile's giving the ad-supported tier to their customers. Everyone thought when that launched, I believe that launched in June, that there was going to be a deal with a distributor. We wrote and we assumed just given the fact that the only obvious partner seemed to be T-Mobile, we assumed it was going to happen in June. The interesting thing is that it just took, you know, obviously 
I don't know, I guess four or five months longer. I don't know why it took so much longer, but it it certainly was the expectation that they were going to be a launch partner uh, for Paramount Plus versus sort of, you know, X months in. Um, you know, obviously it would have been nice to have it ahead of the football season from a marketing standpoint, but um, I guess 11-9 or November 9th is better than nothing for, for Viacom. And they certainly need the support because I, I don't think you know, Paramount Plus has not blown the doors off in terms of subscribers to date. Um, it's not a, it's really growing the CBS audience, but it has certainly not been huge numbers. This obviously helps. I don't know how much it helps, but it certainly helps. Um, let's move on. Let's move on to sort of this. I almost want to say this is like a yard sale right now going on in the media space. Like anybody it's, it's who's crazy. got, you know, I just read, we don't have it on here, but Alvin and the Chipmunks is for sale. The Ronald Dahl library got sold. Hello, Sunshine got sold. Kevin Mayer is also now buying what, Tom Ronald Dahl. Ronald Dahl, the estate. Ronald His estate Dahl? got sold. You know, the book. Not Ronald so McDonald, Walt. <laughs> I, was, I thought, no, his name no, was like, no. I thought know, his name was like Raul Dahl or so Roald Dahl or something Roald like that. Dahl, Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl. It's not Ronald. The Dahl estate. How about just the Dahl estate? They have, they have something in New York City. Like one of one of his books is like a place you can take your kid to Peter around it. Brandon, you can take Scarlet there. I think there's that. Scarlet, my background Dahl, for those who are watching Dahl's today. I have something niece, in the city. Niece Scarlet in You're her a city guy, Rich. Shirt. You wouldn't have taken one of your many lovely children to there at any point? Or is that just something um, bridge and tunnel people come in and do? Oh. God, God, we're just, I mean, this is just, uh, it's a very cute background, Brandon. I'm sure the team at Coco Melon will be excited. We had, I think you had that same background. I used the same background when we, when when we had Coco Melon on Lightshed Live. And also yesterday was Scarlett's second birthday. So I'm honoring her a little bit. Look, the, the reality is kids content is exploding in value. All of these services realize they need kids. It can't be the only thing. Like that's sort of Disney's problem is they don't have enough other stuff to keep people busy every single day. But they do have the power of young kids' content. You know, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse is like number yeah. two or three every single day on the service. Um, Coco Melon is top ten on Netflix every single day. The power of kids is very, very valuable, and so it makes total sense why if you're building a kind of a content powerhouse, which is what you know Kevin Mayer and Tom Staggs were trying to do with Blackstone. It makes sense to to fold in kids. The valuation is obviously pretty insane. And are some of these valuations think, rich in part because parents are tearing their hairs out hair out for the last year of being stuck inside with their <laughs> non vaccinated children and looking for content, and that's driving the numbers sky high. No, the last, I, the, well, the not, last round on this was five hundred million, and it just sold for three bills. So, I mean, an incredible return in a relatively short period of time. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think this is, this is one of those where. Well, we'll return to this later in the, in the show when we talk about Peloton, but it's just it's something to consider. Show. Can, um, can we, can we just, well, just like spend a second take on a step back? No, let's take a yeah. step back on Coco Melon and, you know, Kevin Mayer and Tom Staggs and Blackstone bought it. And they also bought out um, Reese. What do you think they're trying to accomplish here? Like, what's the big picture goal? IP is getting 
more important, right? Like everyone okay. is realizing that they need lots of content. Yeah, um, but, it, Disney but is, so, so Disney, I understand. But no, Blackstone, Kevin Mayer, and Tom Staggs, what are they in particular trying to accomplish in buying Hello Sunshine and Moonbug? Are they trying to assume. put something together to package and sell later on as a group? Are they looking to create their own SVOD eventually? Where is this going? First of all, I don't think we know that answer yet. Yeah. I think it could go one of two directions, right? Like the next tweet on this slide, Lionsgate exploring options for stars. Um, you know, normally the- I'd say, hold on. What if the Blackstone entity bought stars? Yes, but that's if- not the options they're exploring. First of all, stars. we asked them on the conference call. Is we basically asked them. Everything's on the table. Right. Everything is on the table. The way they announced. The way they announced. I don't give a shit though. what they announced. I don't give yeah, a shit. Yeah, it was like spinoff, split off, or tracker. Right. Okay. Like so, it was capital markets is, alternative. To, to me, that is code for we're for sale in, okay. in pieces or in all, and okay. offers come. Like that's what's you know. And if you my question on the conference call was specifically. You know, as you think about MA, potential MA transactions, what's the unique attraction of stars? And it's obviously sort of a focus on, you know, the power and African American, you know, market is clearly where they over index and with yep. females. And so yep. those are places where many other SVODs underperform. So there's clearly a rationale for combining this with other platforms. But look, to, to your question, I do think it's going to be a question for Stags and, and Mayor over time. Do they want to combine this with a streaming service like Stars and build their own SVOD? Or are they packaging a large group of content and walking into someone like NBC Universal that does not have enough content, clearly, or Paramount and Viacom, and saying, here is a wide array of content that you need? I think both options are possible. My guess is they don't even know yet, but I'm guessing both of those options are on the table. I do think we have to mention, though, just quickly, Kevin Mayer has yet another job. Not only does he work at the zone, not only does he buying all of these things and putting the pieces together and running them, he now is, quote unquote, an advisor to David Zaslav in the merger of Warner Media, sorry, Warner Bros and Discovery. So (laughs) that is yet another job. He's also a very artistic poster on social media of very black and white pictures and, you know, New York Uh, City looks so beautiful. Do you think he posts his own Instagrams? Yes, I do. Beyond that, I mean, isn't it kind of weird that Zaz is, you know, talking about his strategy in the future and talking about a consultant so actively on the conference call? Look, if yes, we all do. But is his savior a consultant? I, I don't even understand. It would seem like if streaming is the most important thing to discovery, Warner Bros. Discovery, there should be, and if Jason Kylar is not their guy, there should be somebody who is COO, who is that yeah, person. Rather that's than who they should be talking executive. about, not a part-time person. It was it was actually, I thought, kind of weird. It was. Wait a minute. I might have confused Kevin Mayer and Jason Kylar. You did. I didn't want to say it. You did. That's okay. You can embarrass J- me, Brandon. J- J- That's Jason Kylar. That would have been funny. You could have embarrassed me. Like, no, you're talking about Jason Kylar. kind of sappy. Like, yeah, that's what I meant. I'm, I'm, st- I'm like standing on the Warner yeah. Brothers lot 
and feel <laughs> right, no, exactly. so lucky That's exactly and honored to be oh, here. <laughs> it is apologies. so beautiful. Okay, next, Rich. Move yeah. on. <laughs> You're right, Brandon. Uh, it was amazing. Okay, Dan Kaplan, um, sports business. If Sinclair Broadcast is going to pull off its regional sports channel streaming dream, it has a long way to go with only four teams in bold committed thus far. So essentially what happened, Sinclair reported, and they got called out. Um, unfortunately, they wouldn't let us ask a question, but at least somebody else called them out and said, on the first quarter conference call, you came out and said you had um, the vast majority of rights locked up for a streaming service. Then Major League Baseball came out and said they actually only have rights to four teams. And then the NBA came out and said they have no rights whatsoever. And then the CEO of Sinclair was asked about it and said, actually, we only have rights for four teams of Major League Baseball. But we expect to get that we will have over time all of the rights to the entire um, set of teams that we cover. Basically, he just lied in front of everybody on a conference call two quarters ago. And it's just sort of. Or misspoke. Sorry, yes, misspoke. Yes, misspoke. <laughs> uh, misled. Um, but it's unfortunate that he had the opportunity when this analyst, I guess, asked him the question to, to say, like, hey, I misspoke, to just kind of blow right over it. Um, it's kind of weird. But. He just completely blew right over it, and he clearly that could call have was, that, that call was insane. And honestly, we, we took some shots at analysts, um, competitors before. Major props to the Morgan Stanley analyst for, for pushing hard on this. Yeah, because it, it, it was it was great. I don't, I don't remember his name. <laughs> oh come on, <laughs> it wasn't Swinburne. Someone though. said David. David Hamburger. Ham the Hamburglar. We'll call him David nice. yeah. Hamburger. Well, no, that's mean. You, you can't call him the Hamburglar. The Hamburglar is awesome. Well, that is true. They make good. Yeah, I love yeah. that character. Speaking of children's content, Rich, the Hamburglar. They get you to eat really unhealthy burgers. All right, what's next? We got Roku. So Roku had a, you know, I guess yet another company blaming supply chain. Um, but, uh, you know, I think one of the interesting things is that it's not supply chain in terms of, you know, getting um, devices, a, a little bit on the, the the boxes side and the dongles. But they were basically saying that the supply chain is causing their TV prices to be dramatically higher than they were or industry TV prices to be dramatically higher than they were a year ago. Uh, the quote from Roku was, TV prices increased 42% year over year. Um, and um, I know, Walter, you think 42% is well, a I just, little uh, let's tough just, to let's believe. Let's just attack this tweet for whoever this Jesse Freeland is. Maybe this is just a random person. It's a random when, person. When he's trolling expert who's saying inflation is not that bad and then citing Roku as if they're like the fact. Well, I have my own facts, which I could go to Amazon and type in, type in search and look at what television prices are and what I paid for them a year ago or two years ago, or just use common sense in what a consumer can get for a 40-inch television right now, can pay $300. So just to say that it was a 42% less last year, talk about lying or factually incorrect or misleading that you were talking about in terms of Sinclair, where's the backup on this? Oh, look, we even went back to, I mean, we actually did some work and we were looking at what Roku televisions cost a year ago. And it was like basically a 20, you know, if you average it out, probably a 20% increase year over year. We couldn't foot the 40% um, yeah, I, increase right, anywhere. So 20%, look, let's even assume the 20% is accurate, which I, I push back on because you're, you're doing oh two boy, Roku TVs. And the reality is that I don't need to get a Roku TV. Sorry. So if you're 20% higher, I'll just get a fucking Amazon TV. And then you just mm -hmm. lost share. So let's just sure. assume 20% is it. 
and you're talking 250 to 300 when you've got this tremendous wealth effect, you can't even get people back to work to pay them more. And you're telling me that your sales are going to be down 40% on an alleged 20% increase. I mean, give me a fucking break. It but does not pass they the said, test. They said, they said prices were up what? 42, 42%. It's really was going to be, we found the source, by the way, it was some uh, CNET article. That, no, NPD. That, it was like an NPD. Analyst. Yeah, What's it was that? an NPD person in a CNET article, right? It was an outlook for holiday. And I think they said like last year, the average television sold was like 300. And I don't remember the exact number. $80 or something. Yeah, and it was $73. And it was going to 500. And Walt and I were checking against televisions that we had bought. And they were the same price or less. Um, you're for getting better the for the updated, same price, for the as, updated as typically model. happens in technology. What, what, when we dug in a little further, what we found is that apparently at the high end of the market, prices are flat to down, but at the low end of the market, um, they're, they're up a lot. And most televisions that are sold are at the low end. So that, you know, would bring the average up. That but being still 40 seems high. 40 sounds absolutely ridiculous it just doesn't pass um, the sniff test no it, and, and more it importantly doesn't. just using common sense as a consumer i can go to amazon and get a perfectly good hd tv whatever technology acronyms you want to throw at me for three to four hundred dollars so you cannot tell me that sales are down because of the price of televisions and their availability i can get a 400 dollars 40 inch tv shipped to me t- tomorrow I will say, Brandon, just because it's also interesting on this topic, I bought the new Amazon branded TV. Um, of course, the first one came broken, which wasn't such a great user experience, but they replaced it the next day. Actually, Amazon did a great job fixing customer service wise. But what I thought was most interesting, I should put some screenshots up for um, next week. What was interesting about the Amazon TV was the promotion, the, the home did, screen promotion of Twitch. Why did you buy the Amazon television? Don't we do research here? Don't we do research here? Like, where are you putting it? I put it, it in is... the new light shed office, you know? Like oh, my, oh, oh, that's my right. new light shed office. So, like, you know, yeah. we, I needed a, a small television for it. So, Rich's, um, Rich's wife, Rachel, kicked him out of the house. And she did. He, he had to get his own little room somewhere to work <laughs> by himself. We're going to send him a potted plant. It's so sad. Without leaves. I would. I yeah. Do you have any pictures you could share with everyone? I, I don't, but I will post them on. It I'll, looks I'll like you're it looks like you're in detention. I'm going to send like you an orchid school. stick where all the flowers have fallen <laughs> off. So it's just a pot and a screen but, stick. But what I was getting at, Brandon, the promotion on the home screen of Twitch. Yeah. was incredible okay yeah i mean that that makes sense i mean they're no, I, i'm sure I amazon is going to price it like to a loss or is pricing the television to a loss because it serves other strategic objectives other ways to make money which is what they do and so one the of those things be, will be cross-promoting to question, twitch but so, so to walt's point what are these tvs going to cost for the holidays black friday and on relative to the Roku TVs. That's going to be an interesting thing to focus on as we move forward. Well, they're, I mean, look, Roku doesn't price their TVs. TCL 
correct true um prices them so whatever the strategic objectives that roku has they don't have full control whereas amazon has full control and they've got power because people do buy their televisions through amazon so they're gonna they're gonna be really pushing that stuff hard up to up top versus tcl where it says you know you do some look at some reviews tcl is good good quality for the for a cheap price Although I did, I did talk to someone at Amazon recently and said that, that it's still hard selling TVs online. It's still difficult relative to in stores. It's still one of the purchases people still generally like to make in person. Not that it's not changing. I grant you that, but they did say that it is still people still like looking and feeling a TV before they buy it. At least showrooming it for now. I don't know if do we know do we have stats on that? I mean, obviously the wireless I, I just, industry is that way. Amazon, most, so, so it must be true. Well, I just, it was weird that they offered that up, like, you know, sort of talking against their book. If it's not true, okay, it's let's weird. go to the next slide. Okay. Let's move on. We're talking a little C band, Walter. Um, yes, we have a tweet from Bloomberg, <clears throat> AT&T and Verizon. We're going to delay the rollout of their 5g service on some airwaves. This is the C band spectrum, which are all of our listeners should know what this is <laughs> after the FAA raised concerns. It might interfere. And this is by the way, this Lightshade Premium Access, we're talking to the organization that released the white paper that led to this delay uh, for AT&T and Verizon. This is, I mean, this is kind of big because Verizon was going to push um, C-Band and in, in terms of their Christmas or their holiday push on sales. So to push it back to January is kind of a big deal. It's a very big win for T-Mobile. The other issue is when you start talking about spectrum interference concerns, it obviously evokes the, the things like legato, which have been going on for a decade. And everyone's saying like, oh, it's only going to be a month. It's only going to be a month. But no one really knows the root cause here. I mean, I think Chairman Rosenworcel effectively reached out to these companies and said, can you delay a month? They have The companies could have bowled forward and done it. And Rosenworcel could have tried to get two votes to stop them. But this was more of a favor. So if you're, you know, if the regulator asks you to do something, especially if you're Verizon and you're trying to get this um, track phone deal done, of course you're going to do it. So the question then, Rich, is what are the what are the politics that are back this? Is this to help Chairman Rosenworcel in confirmation hearings? Is there some company somewhere that's that's putting pressure on the Biden image? I mean, Biden needs votes everywhere, right? The guy's scrambling for votes. So <laughs> Is he actually scrambling, though? He's or- scrambling. <laughs> he is, is he scrambling. Like-, like, it's fucking November 5th. He is scrambling. So like, but- you know, but and is so, he? <laughs> so what random, what random like politician had this ask? I'm speculating here, people. Brain is but, but that that you've now taken a a company, a multi hundred billion dollar company, and delayed their rollout <laughs> of this service because of a favor asked. I mean, who knows? Who knows what's happening? We're going to find out what the what the. I mean, I don't even know what these people want. I mean, the crazy thing about this. This is not a real concern. If this was a real concern, the FAA would not allow you to get on a plane to fly internationally because this spectrum is being used in 40 countries around the world. So if this was a legit interference concern, they should have the FAA should have shut down international flights. And they haven't because it's not. This, this interference issue is like, it's just, uh, okay, sorry. And that ends this hey, week's- Walter, Walter, how do you yes. really feel about this? spectrum well rich as you know i had to you seem a little agitated every well look a little bit this is karma for verizon and in terms of them you know everyone like legato and where that spectrum is going to go like 
Everyone's saying like, okay, Legato, like they're kind of getting screwed. I mean, look, I, I watched this video where an NTIA, that's an, that's an administration engineer, was describing the interference issues with Legato. It was embarrassing. He was getting questioned by people in the like GPS trying, industry. He was trying to prove that it really is it an was, issue. He was trying to, to support the DOD and others in saying that yep. there was interference. Yeah. Anyone would say, I can send this link if you have any doubts about Legato and, their, and the fact that they don't have interference. I'll send you this video because it is embarrassing that we have a government agency and this is the, the head engineer trying to defend. He is, he, it was. I'm feeling a disturbing. good TikTok here. I'm feeling a very good TikTok video here, like somewhere in the making in that video with the expressions of like what's going on. Just saying, I'm just, you know, hint, hint, make a good TikTok. Out of out of the the craziness of DC and how, yes, how decisions yes. are made, it's disturbing. Yes. Exactly. Okay, let's move on. Sorry. For some reason, I think that might have a limited audience. The legato TikTok probably is just as many as my peacock impersonation. Uh, oh no. Um, Brandon, why don't you read sports betting? We got some sure, New York State news. Bradley coming. Davis, Bradley M. Davis, to be exact. New York will name online sports betting operators this week, sources say. The apparent winners, the consortium of BallyBet, BetMGM, DraftKings, and FanDuel, which is, you know, the super group, really, right? The two the two dominant leaders in the number three. Yeah, I mean, BetMGM is crushing it and is probably as well positioned as anyone right, um, in this space. And then Caesars, Win, Empire Resorts, Rush Street um, as the other one. And Caesars has definitely been making moves and Win has amped up the marketing a little bit. So, but apparently out, Jay-Z, Fanatics, and Penn. So you know, the Fanatics doesn't really surprise me because I think a lot of what we've been hearing through the grapevine is that. Fanatics is really kind of sitting on the outside and probably more looking to make an acquisition as a way into this. Like people have talked about, do they buy Rush Street or, you know, is there something larger to be done here over the course of the coming year versus um, literally trying to do a. Yeah. I mean, they weren't like they just weren't weren't chosen. Apparently, we don't know for sure. Right. Right. Apparently, they weren't chosen. And I don't know if they were willing to pay the tax on the matrix. Um, this group that you know would have supported um, it's probably their, a bigger their, deal though their, for their inclusion, but I mean, Penn is is the big question, and it's yeah. it's been kind of a a big news week for Penn. Um, we've talked about in the past um, how their positioning is kind of tough, as they don't have the ability to spend like a Bet MGM or like a DraftKings, or like a FanDuel. Well, and- hold, hold on. I, I'm going to push back on you there. Okay. Like, it's not clear that the spending, you know, I, I'd say two things. One, there was the there was the expectation they wouldn't have to spend because of the Barstool brand. Okay, I understand That is clearly not okay. playing yeah, yeah, yeah. out the way they Well, they, can, they can't um, spend at the level of those other companies anyway. And those yes. companies may not, as they're land grabbing, be making the absolute most rational um, spending decisions because they're trying to land grab 
and become part of the oligopoly that dominates the sports betting industry. So you have that. That puts Penn in a pretty rough spot to start with. Earnings, you know, little disappointment. And then the Portnoy news. And I don't want to go into that, really. Um, No idea, right or wrong, like, you know, what happened there. Have You know, we weren't there, so don't want to judge it or comment on it. But it does highlight one thing, which is key man risk at that company. Yeah, I mean, look, there's definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um. I think the, the 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 quotes though that I keep coming back to was actually the Flutter CEO, who you know they own FanDuel, and he opened up by saying he's never seen an NFL season like this. The level of free money flowing through the sports betting system competitively was like you know like anything he'd ever seen. I, I like just nobody's like all of this whole story of sports betting, like this gold rush of sports betting. I just and don't sports like, betting is a uh, to remind everyone in and of itself is a limited market, low, low margin, the, like no margin. The, it it you know can be an entree into I casino, right? But, but I mean, we're way way off from that in terms of you know, state approvals. There are some companies that might have workarounds, which we'll talk about some other time. Um, but I, you know. We're going to move on. Um, Snapchat did deal with NBC Universal. Normally I wouldn't highlight um, sort of just a content deal, but what I thought was really interesting because just, you know, Walt's been such a huge fan of TikTok from the very beginning. And I think what, um, what TikTok's done really well is they've shown the power of audio. And so, so much of what we think about is the video medium, but they've done such an amazing job of the power of audio. You, you see the, the new Burger King commercial uses the TikTok, you know, music, uh, you know, the, the, that you know, kind of catchy sort of you know, music. And it, it just sort of sh- strikes me that there's this whole world uh, of audio that all of these media companies have, sports companies, media companies, you name it. They have tons of audio. And they've never unbundled the audio from the video. And I thought that was what made the NBC Universal deal with Snapchat so interesting is they're not just saying, hey, take the video clips. They're saying, use the audio, unpackage it. You know, Brandon, we've been talking about how media companies unpackage their assets for the metaverse, for Roblox or for Epic and gaming. To me, this is sort of one of those initial building blocks of sort of like we talked about Snapchat and sort of their role in the metaverse, like unpackaging it's not just having a a, 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 an, a ar object now it's putting sound in and like just rethinking and letting consumers play with the different components of media i think is going to be a big theme for 2022 and i don't know i just i saw them do it and i just i think i think there's something to this and i think we're going to see a lot more companies play with so, this idea so, so so what you're talking about here is like in tiktok there's this thing where somebody talks about john beasley i have no idea what that is but it's probably from some like teen show but in order for that to be used within tiktok that had to be tiktok had to pay rights and you're saying like okay if snap's going to do this though there's plenty of one liners from the office that they will basically li- so is tiktok is that an exclusive or is tiktok able to do the same thing so what if I so what if I pull so what if I pulled audio from the office? Like I'm just I just hold my phone up to it, I do the audio and I and I make a TikTok with audio, and then everyone starts to 
use my audio? Who's is that? Who are they paying? NBC? Am I paying NBC? Are they paying NBC? How does that work? Look, they probably wouldn't pull it down for promotional reasons. They probably would allow that to go through and to stay because they would see it as promotional. But it might not be great quality. It might only be part of it. Like here, they're going to give you the the, the the clip you want in super high quality, and you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to worry about it getting taken down or copyright violation. It's just right. yours to use. It's just I mean, it's look, making audio the consumer's audio life easy. A, the audio is clearly a big part of the virility of um, of the of a good portion of the content that's on TikTok. Yeah. So mostly if, mostly music, of course. Correct. Uh, no, but, like, but, but, but there's some stuff and like John Beasley for the labels, right? Hey, but there's some. There's, I can't. I wish I could remember the full thing, but Who it's the funny. Fuck is John Beasley? Imagine John if Beasley the NFL saw somebody. I mean, and, okay, I mean, John Beasley. Well, can someone please Google the, that. Well, uh, let's have that. Just as our imagine. Intro. Yeah. Walt, imagine how much fun you could have if the NFL made New York Jets audio clips available, like from last night's game. Or how about Joe Buck audio clips available? Oh, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. Just think about what people would do, like pe- crowd noise. I mean, there's just, I think there's so many things, whether it's Roblox, Snapchat. Like, I just, I get more excited about that part of the metaverse than the stupid goggles thing, but that's a whole nother story. Um, let's move on. Um, Brendan, you want to talk about a little um, future of tickets? Okay, this one's from Michael Rapino. Creating new ways to engage with fans before, during, and after the show by reimagining ticket stubs into NFTs. Thanks to Swedish House Mafia for kicking this off with us. Um, I think this is a great use of NFTs. I, in terms of collectibles, I miss my ticket stubs. Um, so I'll say that. Um, but you know, it's one part of the big picture for Live Nation, um, which who reported earnings last night and not to get into an earnings review because I know how much we hate that. But a couple of amazing things stood out. First of all, getting 17 million fans back in the quarter, mostly US, UK demand is incredible there. But what was really interesting is the average ticket price was up 10 percent over 19 and the average per fan spending was up 20%, um, which is which is pretty nuts. So n- not only is the demand there, but at way higher prices and spending um, than we saw before the pandemic. So I guess that's probably why the stock's up 14% today. Yeah, I mean, wow. I, look, I just think, to me, it's just sort of the thinking of creative ways, like, you know, I, I sort of crap on this. Hey, you can buy a bored ape and it's just a JPEG that gets you into a discord group. And I know you're super excited about it, Brandon, but like, I don't get that. But here it's like ticket stubs are something that you've cherished your entire life. There's so much you could do. I know maybe I don't know all the things that'll come with a smart contract for this NFT, yeah. but there's so many things you could do with it in terms of fan clubs and future fandom and knowing who your fans are. Like you get to actually understand who they are give them offers on next tickets the next time like there there seems to be so much power to uh, what there you is. can do with I mean, this in the digital yes, in the utility, digital ticket utility. the utility of the digital ticket in general and then kind of extending that um through nfts and and utilizing the formal like the real blockchain right. not so it's like not just a ticket. collectible it's so much more than that versus hey i own a freaking picture of an eighth that costs four hundred thousand dollars yeah i mean i, I think i think that 
the JPEG, and it is NFT week. And thanks to those who threw parties, which we enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> um, but there's so much more to it. I think that the you know JPEG is just the bleeding edge of what's to come. Um, okay, it is Walter Pisic time. I'm going to pull up the last slide and he can take, yes. a, I hope he's going to do a little victory dance around his chair, but I'm sure um, he's going to dunk on both of us. Well, I was just hoping, I, first of all, the tweet is from. Lit I don't think Quiddity. this is both of us, Rich. Yeah, it's definitely not <laughs> both of you. It's me. Looking Fine. at Peloton stock price. Both after of us. Don't drag me into this. And they have the, the woman from the advertisement and Peloton, but everyone looks like said that she looks super scared. After her husband had bought her, or boyfriend had bought her a Peloton, it's like what? what anyway, and then she and on the screen is the Peloton stock, which is currently down thirty four percent. Some people thought this was going to be a media company. I believe I used um, what was that camera company that I wanted to have a sell rating on, Brandon? You, you GoPro, GoPro, and you could dunk channel. on me on that. <laughs> well, that's my own fault. I should have just gone ahead and done it but it would have been hard to short anyway yeah peloton what are you gonna say pretty amazing when's the last time you used your peloton rich i use my peloton two to three times every week look at this guy do you see okay stand up rich I'm wearing pretty Okay, well, that's right phase. Now. So, phase that, one is that they can't that expand in the market. Phase two is going to be when you just don't use it so much that Rachel's like, or, can we just cancel this Peloton subscription now? <laughs> what mean, is it? 50 bucks a month? I, 60 bucks a month? Uh, you know what you should do, Rich? You should, you should get back to the gym and lift some weights. Yeah, strength training I is mean, important at our age, Rich. It's not only about the cardio. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the funniest yeah. thing is I was walking. You got down, you got walking. yourself thin, but I I think it's time mm-hmm. to, you know, to put some muscle well, on those bones. Speaking <laughs> of the challenges of 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 um, gym equipment in the home, Mark I was just walking down. Mark, Mark, do you offer to train Rich? <laughs> Would you just stop and let me talk for one second? There is I he was just wrote down. tack on some mass. I was I was walking up Madison Avenue the other day, and there was a there's now a Peloton store on like 85th and Madison or something like that. But literally across the street in one of the abandoned storefronts caused by the pandemic, there was it looks like what's going in is that strength training Peloton company. It's like the weight you know it's like a weight rack but with a with a screen. I don't even know what it's called. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but like it comes with like free weights. But like there's actually building a store it looks like to sell it on like the same street 85th and madison which is we're gonna we're gonna keep tabs on this because there's also a peloton store in the west chester mall so we'll see how long those stores last (sighs) that is um i think that's episode 79 i think we're pretty good uh we got this done and you're still going to make your light shed premium access with a little time to spare. Not Walter. if we filibuster him for the next filibuster. Uh, I can, and I can easily just leave. It's fine. Filibuster all you want. What are we going to talk about? No, I mean, we got, well, Giants game. Who are the Giants playing? Or do we have a bye week this week? Do we actually the get a battle off? for the first round? Because I can't watch any more Giants games. East. Brandon, uh, yes. in terms of the Mets, well, let's just go back there. Basically, if the Mets won the, uh, the NL East, they would have won the World Series. So... It's just the NL East. No, they is just... wouldn't have. They couldn't have gotten through anyone. Oh, <laughs> really? Okay. 
so much for that theory. Wow. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Everyone. All right, take care of them. Bye bye. I'm just a late bloomer. I